This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Walking, stumbling on these shadow feet toward homeland that I've never seen. I am changing less and less asleep, made of different stuff than when I began. And I have sensed it all along. Fast approaching is the day when the world has fallen out from under me.
Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Joshua, chapter 23, and uh, we'll be picking up our reading there shortly. Um, I would also just ask you to write this down. This is part of your assignment. I'm going to give you the rest of your assignment at the very end, but... I'm going to ask you to read Judges 14, 15, and 16 for next week. And as I tell you, that way if I don't do a very good job, at least you've got the message. Judges 14, 15, and 16 for uh, next week. This is part three of our series called Right in Your Eye. And uh, if you fall asleep or decide that your husband or wife needs to hear this lesson, again, you can always access it, as well as any past messages through our website at eldochurch.com. Now, to get us moving in the right direction, and, and I'm getting a little bit of feedback, Scott. Um, to get us moving in the right direction, I want to pose a question. Here it is. Do you... You ready? Do you really want to be like everybody else? Seriously, do you want to be like everybody else? I mean, do you want to have a marriage like everybody else? Do you want your kids or your grandkids to turn out like everybody else? Do you want to manage your money like everybody else? What is it? Dave Ramsey says being broke is normal. That's everybody else. So he says, be weird. When you're thinking about your short term or your long term goals, do you say, you know what? I've, I've thought about this and I've come to the decision that I just want to be like everybody else. Well, I have a feeling that uh, the majority of us would say, of course not. You know, most of us, we're not shooting for average. We want to blaze our own trail and, and make a unique difference around us. We don't want to be like everybody else. But here's the truth. Most of us, we are settling to be like everybody else. We settle for average. We, we settle to blend in with everybody now, before we read our scripture, let me quickly talk about everybody else. And, and what I'm about to say has nothing to do with us here, or, or even those that are listening by radio or live stream. I, I'm referring to everybody else, okay? This, this isn't you. Everybody else wants their life to look like a beer commercial. In other words, they want to look good and, and they want to be surrounded by people who look good. They, they want to be in a scenic place that looks good. They want to always have a suntan that looks good. Even though in a few years it'll make them look like an old leather suitcase. Everybody else wants to be able to buy anything and everything yet never go broke. They, they want to have beautiful hair, smiles with no crooked or missing teeth, stomachs that are flat. Skin with no warts or age marks, foreheads with no stress lines, etc. That's everybody else. Well, surprise, that's not reality in the world of everybody else. It may appear that way on the outside, but that's not the way it is because 
th- those people that we've been calling everybody else, very few of them have a stress-free life. Very few of them have a lot of money. In fact, many of them are broke or in debt or living from paycheck to paycheck. And, and everybody else is trying desperately not to turn out like their parents, which just pushes them in the direction of turning out like their parents. Everybody else doesn't enjoy what they already have because they're so consumed with trying to make more money so they can be like people they don't like to get more stuff they don't need. And again, this is not you, but it's everybody else. And by the way, you understand, I don't literally mean everybody else. That's just kind of a figure of speech. You know what I mean. But quote unquote, everybody else is drinking too much or smoking too much or snorting or shooting or swallowing chemicals that make them happy. But we generally don't know that. We think, oh man, they've got it together. I I wish I were like, I especially wish my spouse were like them. In a world of everybody else, the single women are afraid afraid they're going to be single forever. So what do they do? They tempt and they troll with their bodies. Then they wonder why men always seem to want to take advantage of them. In a world of everybody else, single guys are thinking, why would I ever get married? Because I can have the privileges of marriage without the responsibility. I mean, not to mention that they can't seem to find the perfect woman. And when when she finally does come along, they're soon disappointed to know that she talks too much. Or she's too domineering. Or calls her mama too much. Or has breath that would stop a Mack truck or or whatever. You know, in, in the world of everybody else... Married women are hoping their husbands are faithful, even though many times they're suspicious. In the world of everybody else, men are wondering if they really have to remain faithful because they have some friends that aren't, and it seems to be working out pretty well for them on the side. In the world of everybody else, teenagers, listen up, teens, um, even though they will not admit it, they really do care what everybody else thinks about them. In the world of everybody else, college students are scared to death because they're wondering if they will ever be able to get a decent job. In the world of everybody else, Democrats are afraid Republicans are going to take the country into a right-wing extremism. Republicans are afraid that Democrats are going to take the country into socialism. That's the world of everybody else. In, in a world of everybody else, Everybody is taking their cues from everybody else. And and did you know that if you take your cue from everybody else, guess what? You will end up just like everybody else. So who wants to be like everybody else? Now, one more thing before we move on. The, The problem with taking our cues from everybody else is this. And, and, and you get this because you're super smart. Otherwise you wouldn't be part of this church. Um, and by the way, if you're a guest here, welcome to the brightest people in the city, okay? And, and that shows that you're in the same category because most of you are keeping up. So, uh, But the problem with taking your cues from everybody else is that you're taking your cues from their highlight reels. You see their peaks, but never their valleys. 
You see their amazing happy pictures on Facebook or Instagram and, and you see them on their vacations to Disney World or, or on a Caribbean cruise. You, you see them with a car that never seems to get dirty. Or, or, or better yet, you see them when they post pictures of their brand spanking new car. You, you see them when they redecorate their home and you, you hear cute stories of their kids that never get in trouble and they never throw a fit at Walmart or Woods or the doctor's office. And those kids always end up being CEOs or CFOs of Fortune 500 country, uh, companies. You see the highlights. But the problem is you don't know what's really going on in their lives. You don't know that they're in marriage counseling, or, or at least they should be. You, you never hear the arguments behind closed doors. You don't know that they don't sleep in the same bed at night. Just, and it's not just because he snores like a chainsaw. You don't know that she needs to check herself into re- rehab. You don't know that they're not on, a, on speaking terms with a grown child of theirs. You don't know that they're in debt up to their neck. Happy on the outside doesn't always mean happy on the inside because you can't see emotional scars. You can't see the pain. You can't see addictions. You can't see guilt. You can't see debt. You can't see misery. So here's the question again. Do you really want to be like everybody else? Well, the good news is you don't have to be like everybody else. There's a better way. In fact, your loving Heavenly Father does not want you to be like everybody else. He has something so much better for you. Now, to help us understand that, we're going back to the Old Testament. And in this series, we've been spending the majority of our time in in the books of Joshua and Judges. And, And the time frame for these books, or at least the book of Judges, is around 1380 B.C., And it covers the 330 years from when Joshua got the people into the promised land up to the time that Israel went to to be a a monarchy when when they went to a system of kings. And, And during this period of history, 330 years, there were a few peaks, but mainly valleys. And and the people would go through cycle after cycle where the nation would disobey God. There would be a disaster. And then Israel, listen, they would always do what you do. Let me illustrate it this way. Most of you probably remember as a teenager getting in trouble. Can I just have some honest hearts and hands? How many of you remember getting in trouble as a teenager? Okay, there are... Ryan never did. We will be having just a season of prayer for him at the end of the service. We're going to lay hands on his neck there, but um, anyway, most of you remember as a teenager getting in trouble, and, and maybe even a few of you found yourself sitting in the police station, and I won't ask you for hands there, or a few of you in the principal's office, or sitting in the home of a friend's house with their parents glaring at you, and, and you had to call the very person whose rules you disobeyed, which was your dad. Mom, wasn't that awkward when you, when you call and said, oh, dad, mom, I, I'm, I'm in trouble. I disobeyed your rules. So could you please stop whatever you're doing? Come bail me out or say a good word to the principal or 
do something, get me out of trouble for disobeying your rules. Remember how awkward that was? Well, that was the nation of Israel. And yes, God is a God of justice. You do something stupid, you face the consequences. But, but God is also a God of mercy. And so time and time again, he would come alongside of Israel. And, and instead of kicking them when they were down, he would extend his loving arms, hands, lift them back up. But anyway, the setting for our lesson is that the people are getting ready to go into the promised land. And, and Joshua gives them some final instructions and, and basically says, hey, you're going into the promised land. You're not the first ones there. When you get in there, you're going to start looking around at everybody else. And you're going to think, hey, they've got it made. They've done well for themselves. And, and you're going to think, what do we know? I mean, we were in slavery and captivity for several hundred years. And then we just finished a 40-year journey through the desert. If we would have taken the direct route, should have taken us two and a half weeks. It took us 40 years. You're going to think, what do we know? And so we can learn from these other nations that have seemed seem to have more stability and success than we do. And so Joshua said, you're going to be prone. There's going to be a tendency to copy their practices, to copy their culture, to copy their religions. But Joshua said, don't do it. Don't be like everybody else. And so here are the instructions that Joshua gives his people. And, and can I just, th th there's no subtle approach this morning. Can I just tell you my goal for today? My goal for today is for us to stop being like everybody else. Let me just get it out on the table to begin with. Here's what Joshua says in Joshua chapter 23, verse 6. Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that's written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. So you know what he's saying here? you're not to be like everybody else. Because if you do, in verse 12, uh, if, if you turn away and ally yourselves with the survivors of these nations that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them and associate with them, then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. In other words, if you start looking and lusting and embracing these pagan practices, you will end up in trouble. What will happen? He says, they will become snares and traps for you, whips on your backs, thorns in your eyes. Catch those word pictures. Snares, traps, whips, thorns. So I think a way to summarize this to where we can remember it is to say it this way. God doesn't want you to look around. He wants you to look up. Thank you for those two little half amens. God doesn't want you to look around. He wants you to look up. And by the way, that's still good advice today. Uh, let, let me tell you what will happen if you look around. First of all, you'll become disenchanted. You always hear of those who say, well, I don't go to church because there are too many hypocrites there and... You know, these people, they go to church on Sunday and act like the devil on Monday and they don't pay their bills. They gossip. They say bad words. They're mean. When people say that, do you know what they've done? Instead of looking up, they have looked around. 
you look around, you will become disenchanted. Of course there are hypocrites in this church. Christ pastored a little congregation of 12 people. There was one hypocrite out of the 12. I don't think our percentage is probably going to be any better than what Christ had there. So you can do the math there. Look around. You're going to become disenchanted. But not only will you become disenchanted, the second thing is you will become desensitized. And this is what happened to Israel. They began looking around and they were probably horrified to begin with at the paganism, the idolatry. But over time, they became desensitized. They were no longer bothered. And so when you fail to look up and you start looking around, it's just a matter of time before you begin to copy them. And the, the scripture says they will become snares, traps, whips on your back, thorns in your eyes. Now, we could camp out here for probably two or three Sundays, but let me just pick out this last phrase, thorns in your eyes, and talk about that for a moment. Isn't it true that if you had a choice, you would probably go back and unsee some things? I mean, seriously, are are there some things that you wish you would have never seen? Some of you may be driving a vehicle you wish you had never seen. You know, a friend or a relative got one and they said, take a look and you got in it and it looked good and smelled good and it smelled like fine leather. And then you got back in your car and it smelled like family, <laughs> you know, dirty diapers and soured milk. And, and so you decided rather than clean up your car, just buy a new one. That's the American way. Don't you wish you'd never seen or smelled your neighbor's car and or, or maybe it wasn't a car, but maybe you wish you had never seen a particular website. And instead of your eyes doing a second, third, fourth take, you wish you would have just clicked out of it while turning your head the other way. I think there are some things and maybe some people we all wish we could go back and unsee. Because when we saw what we did, here's what happened. Data came to our, into our eyes or into our minds or into our hearts. And, and the next thing we knew, here's what happened. Our bodies, our behavior, our finances were following our eyes. And if we could just go back and unsee it or unsee that picture or unsee him or her, our lives might be different. I really think that a lot of us could say that the epicenter where our pain began started with the decision to do what was right in our own own eyes and violate that still small voice of our conscience. Anybody ever? Do you know what I'm talking about? That still small voice of our conscience? You, You just know. Or maybe it wasn't violating just the still small voice of our conscience. Maybe it was violating the louder voice. You know, the voice of our parents saying, you will not go to that party. Or you're not going to go out of the house looking like that. Or you will not talk to me that way. Or or we violated the voice of reason that said, now is not the best time to buy a a new phone. I realize that here in just a few days, we're going to have the big announcement from Apple about the new iPhones 
But there's the voice of reason that says, now's not the best time to buy that or furniture or whatever. Or we violated our conscience that said, don't you dare go back to the website because, you know, the first time was excusable. It was an accident. This time you go back, it'll be on purpose. Or, or we violated that voice that said, don't respond back to that text. They have no business texting you. But we did what was right in our own eyes. And, and our minds, our thoughts, our finances were drawn in that direction. And now we wish we could go back because those people, those situations, those purchases have become a snare. They've become a trap. And, and, and think about this. Isn't this true? Things that capture our attention eventually capture our affection and finally impact our direction. In fact, could, could we just say that together on the count of three? One, two, three. Things that capture our attention eventually capture our affection and finally impact our direction. And the direction of our lives should be from the inside out. But when we're drawn away from God, then the direction changes to the outside in. And, and the next thing we know, we're just living, we're dating, we're talking, we're dressing, we're spending. We're doing everything like everybody else. So Joshua says these other cultures and belief systems may seem attractive to begin with, but they, they will end up as snares and traps thorns in your eyes and you will eventually in in verse 13 it says you will eventually perish from this good land which the lord your god has given you now one of the struggles that the nation of israel had and and i think it's one of our struggles today as well is we think at times that god is trying to keep good things from us and we've come to believe that if we follow god oh it's going to be such a sacrifice and we're going to have to give up all of the fun times and we're going to miss out on something good and in fact, if you read the story of Adam and Eve, have you ever thought that the very first temptation recorded in history was a temptation to believe that God was trying to withhold something good from them and the serpent came to Adam and Eve and said, hey, God told you not to eat of the fruit of this tree and said, do you know why? Because if you do, this is what Satan was saying, something good will happen to you. God doesn't want that. Satan was already sowing the seed into the hearts of humanity that, that God can't be trusted and, and he's just a meanie and, and he likes to keep good things from us. But that's not God's heart. Do, do you want to know God's heart? L listen, here is God's heart. His heart is, if you obey my law, you're not going to miss out on something good. Rather, you'll miss out on something bad. Did you catch that? That's God's heart. If you obey my law, you're not going to miss out on something good. You're going to miss out on something bad. God's laws are there to protect us. And if you struggle with this, if you think that God is this meanie, and if you serve him, and if, if it's your mindset, well, okay, I'm going to serve God, but I have to sacrifice so much fun. You know, you, you need to wrestle this to the ground and, and put, a, put, put, put a, a stranglehold on it because God is not trying to keep good things from us. He's trying to keep bad things from us. And then you ready? This is kind of like a drum roll. This is one of those big statements that I hope we'll, you'll take with you. And I, I realize most of us walk out of here and rarely think of the sermon again. 
But I hope that this verse will stay in your mind. In fact, on your way out, we're going to be giving you a card uh, with this verse on it. But Joshua chapter 24, verse 23. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you. In, in other words, for our setting, if there's anything in your life, if there's anything in your family, if there's anything in your closet, if there's anything on your computer, if there's anything on your phone, if there's anything stashed in a secret place, if there's any addiction that you're a slave to, Joshua says, get rid of it. Throw it away. Drum roll. And yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. Oh, this is so powerful. Yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. What does that mean? Well, in a nutshell, it means God... Help me to align myself with your will. It means, God, help me not to be like everybody else. It means, God, help me to see people the way you see them. It means, help me to see money the way that you do. Help me to see morality as you see it. Because, God, if, if I see as you see, then what you ask me to do will make perfect sense. So if we understand God's heart, then God asks us, it makes perfect sense. But if I see as everybody else around me, we're looking around instead of up, then what they do will make perfect sense. Do you see it there? That If we're aligned with God and we see things as God sees, then he asks us, it makes so much sense. But if we're looking around and God asks us to do something then we say that doesn't make sense. And there are two approaches to life. One is dictated from a kingdom of covet that flows from the outside in to where we're taking our cues from everybody else. And, and the other is dictated from a kingdom of conscience that flows from the inside to where we're taking our cues from God. So the kingdom of covet or the kingdom of conscience. And, and when we take our cues from God, we will have compassion but not be conformed. We will have empathy, but not embrace. We will have love, but not be led by these people. So here's the question I want to leave you with. Have you yielded your heart to the Lord your God? I know what you're thinking. Oh, yeah, you know, I'm an American. Of course I have. But have you? Really? You know, the two best ways to answer that question by looking at your schedule or your calendar or by looking at your finances. So how much of your schedule, your week is devoted to the Lord your God? You say, well, well Pastor, I say my prayers every day. I read the devotional every day. I go to church a good part of the time. So... That shows where my heart is. Okay, you've just talked about three hours a week. What do we have in a week? Is 168 hours, something like that? Well, what about the rest of that time? And then how about your finances? Are you honoring God with your finances? What percentage really goes to investing and things that last forever. 
you say, well, okay, I, I give my 10% to the church. and Well, good boy, good girl. But do you realize that God didn't set this up to where 90% of it is ours and 10% of it is His? Do you know how God set it up to where 100% of it is His? Amen? And He's given us instructions to take 10% and give to the ongoing of the kingdom of God and then to manage with eternity in view the rest but I want to just ask you um, according to your calendar according to your checkbook have you completely yielded your heart to the Lord now I, I want to pray but before we do I want to go over your homework assignment on your way out uh and if you're watching online or listening on the radio, sorry, you miss out on this part. But for those of you that are here today, you're going to receive a card that looks like this. It's got two verses on each side. One is a verse that we talked about about three minutes ago. The other verse is a verse that we will read shortly. But here's what I want you to do. And I want to be clear on this. I want you to read these two verses out loud out loud out loud say out loud twice a day for a week now if you get carried away and you want to do it two weeks you won't be penalized for that but I want you to read these verses out loud you can read them out loud as a family read it with your spouse or read it to your dog don't waste time with your cat uh, not all dogs go to heaven certainly no cats go there so it's a waste of time don't waste your energy there but um, but read this out loud and maybe even pray this over your kids we read the first verse here's the second direct me in the path of your commands for there I find delight Turn my heart towards your statute. So David is saying, you know, my heart has been geared to operate from the outside in. But I want to turn my heart so that now that I'm, now I'm operating from the inside out. I want to get my directions from you. Yield my heart to you. That's what David is saying. And then he goes on and says, turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain. Listen to this. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. And by the way. If we would do that, if we would have done that, most of us would have less debt. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. So, will you this week say these two scriptures out loud twice a day, seven days in a row? But it's not just saying it out loud, it's beginning to follow it. And then after we say these verses, could we just pray and ask God to help us to do it? And, and, and maybe you say, you know what, I, I, I don't know what this involves. And God understands that. But maybe we can just tell him, say, God, I'm not quite sure how to do all of this. This is new. And, and I've been trying to fit in. I've been trying to blend in. But maybe we would just want to pray, God, would you please help me to quit trying to be like everybody else? Would you give me a heart that yearns for you? Would you turn my eyes 
away from things that I shouldn't look at? Would you keep me from buying things that I shouldn't buy? Lord, would you put a filter on my mouth so that I wouldn't say things that I shouldn't say? Lord, you know those things that maybe I'm putting into my body and drinking, smoking, snorting, injecting, ingesting things that I shouldn't. God, would you just give me the ability to say no? God, don't let me have any relationships that I shouldn't have. But God, would you help me to have those relationships that I should have? God, turn my heart, my eyes away from worthless things. I want to yield my heart to you and live from the inside out. You know what? I, I, I truly believe that's whenever we will capture just the joy of serving Jesus. Whenever we begin to see things as he sees. And so I've already told you my goal for today and for this week and the coming days. Quit trying to be like everybody else. pray. Father, I know there's so much pressure. And I know especially today in our world, if, if we're not being like what the media says we should be, or God, it seems like we've just We've been pushed into a corner. We backed into a corner where we're afraid to really be that peculiar people. Lord, I don't believe that we as Christians should be different just to be different. We've, we've, we've been plagued with way too many weird Christians down through the years. But Lord, when your word talks about being a peculiar people, I believe that means that we are wonderfully different. Not in a strange way, but in a good sort of way to where our ethics are not like the world's we're just above the ethics of the world Lord where our practices we're not going to copy the world Lord just as Joshua was telling these people that you know you're going to go into a land there are people already there they've got they've got a bunch of religious practices you're going to have a tendency to want to be like them and try to fit in. But Joshua was trying to say, and you need to serve the Lord your God. Lord, I know from our teen, teenage years on up, we want to fit in. We don't want to be singled out as being different. Lord, I pray that you would help us to truly be different in a wonderful way. God, I pray that there would be something unique about us to where the world would look at us and they would say, you know what? You're different than the world. You don't talk like the world. You don't dress like the world. You don't smell like the world. And There's something about you. You just have that extra level of love and or that the world would be looking at us and saying, I want to be like you. And so, Lord, I just pray that as we leave this place that, God, we wouldn't be like everybody else. Lord, help us not to look around. Oh, God forbid that we would start looking around and, and thinking, well, I'm mistreated and so-and-so didn't talk to me and 
so-and-so did this to me, but Lord, that's, that will only lead to so much pain. But I pray, Father, that instead of looking around, we would just look up and God, I just pray that our eyes would be glued on you. And so, Lord, as we leave here this morning, make us your children. Lord, make us people that in this dark world would have that glow about us that, Lord, our light wouldn't be too bright because if it's too bright, then it blinds people and turns people off. And But, Lord, it would just be that the right amount of light that would be pleasant and show the pathway. Lord, also your word talks about salt. And again, Lord, if there's too much salt and it becomes bitter, but just enough salt brings some flavor. And Lord, I pray that we would learn that difference there and that we would just have enough salt to where we would give flavor to a world that really is in need of of, of something else. So God, thank you again for your word. And as we leave here, again, Lord, help us not to be like everybody else. Help us to be like you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.